Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. But I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I am so asking, I am so asking for the ears of your people to be opened. Indeed, I believe this is a brand new beginning. Something is beginning today, that's for sure. We know we're still in this new season that started in 2018. But I mean, I really do thank you, Father, that day by day we're starting something afresh. Because you're always brand new. I mean, you're always brand new. And you're always alive. I mean, it sounds silly to say that, but where you are, life is. And where life is, death can't stay. And your word is life. It is life eternal. It's life with abundance. And your will for us as your people have never changed. But Father, you put in this book instructions. Very simply, you put in this book principles and instructions. And as we study it and read it like you've had me do over these last 14 months, Father, I thank you everywhere you look where your people followed your instructions, they were simply overwhelmingly blessed above all peoples. I mean, it's just the way it is. You bless your people, I mean, more than abundantly to the point that it freaks out other nations when we follow your instructions. Now, your people, it says in the word, still perish because of a lack of knowledge. So, Father, that's part of why I want to share this today. I want us to have the knowledge, and as Julie said, then that we would be doers of this knowledge so that we could truly, from our heart, expect what you promised to take place in our lives. So I'm trusting you with all that I have, Father, that somehow, again, you will be with my mouth and help me communicate this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please do hear me. Have ears to hear. My, my job, Julie's job, my job as a pastor, as a minister, you've heard me say in times past, you know, the priest's job, number one, was to go and to be before God before he ever stood before people. Right? Do you hear that? That's actually very powerful. A priest's job is to stand before God before he has the right to stand before the people. Um, so a majority of my assignment from heaven, what I'm called to do is to seek out food for you, is to go before the throne, find the food of God that will build my own spirit, to say the least, but then not to preach my opinion, but to preach what God says because of how much, well, because those are the instructions that bring us life and life more abundantly. So my job, I mean, that's why, you know, I spend now, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, God, you know, I spend a lot of time in the Bible every morning now for the last 15 months, 14, 15 months. You know, I don't, I, I open no laptops. I look at no phone. I do nothing. I, the first thing I do is I open that book. And I'm basically my job right now is I'm in the book till around one o'clock, maybe twelve thirty, something like that, every morning. 
And I'm doing that because God dropped a grace on me to do it. I didn't ask for it. But at the same time, if you allow me, if I can say this humility, I'm doing this for you, right? Do you understand? Because that's part of my job. I need to do this for you. Well, and you know how like about September, October last year, when I really began to proclaim this thing about we are a house of abundance, right? And I've said it in different ways. You know, of course, when you look at the book, our God is altogether good. Our God is altogether abundant. I mean, there's nothing lacking in God. I mean, it would be ridiculous to think that. He's a God of absolute provision. He's a God of abundance. I mean, he made all things. Everything is his, which we're going to look at in a minute. And um, But it's funny when I look back, just since, like I said, September, all he kept dealing with me, he kept leading me. And, you know, you don't know until you look back sometimes. He's been faithfully leading me step by step to see certain issues, to find certain truths, and and then all of a sudden to knit them together. He's the master weaver. He He weaves things together until you begin to see this beautiful tapestry of his will for our lives. Um. And so the, our God is a God of abundance. And like you've heard me say again time and time, the word of God says we now abide in his household. And I say that over and over again because, again, it's alive to me. I live in God's house. There's no lack with my God. There's no lack of provision. And he said you have to start seeing what I see. You have to speak and say and what I say is right. What I say is true. You are a man of abundance. Jesus did not come to give you a mediocre life. He came to give you an abundant life. Abundant. And like I said already in the prayer, but I'm going to say it forever until you, I hope you don't get tired of it, but it, you can't get away from the fact God's will is that we as his people be blessed above all other people. It is the truth. Don't get mad at me. You search it for his will. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. And his will is that we as his people be the most blessed people on the entire planet. But it's not so that we can run around and buy stuff again. It's because he knows that's what they look at, the people that are lost. And basically the revelation, this purifies your desires. Did you hear me? In other words, you really begin to say, okay, I'm actually, it's, it's, killing lust it's killing an unnatural desire for stuff but it's birthing in me a revelation of how much he as a loving father abba daddy how much he really wants to bless me and that begins to happen i think proportionally as we really do come into this revelation of the fact that i'm here to be a blessing god wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing but, you know, you hear that for years and years and it never twigs. Isn't it funny? I mean, other things you just, man, what, but you, it never catches. Well, anyhow, so my pursuit has been towards this about just reading. I mean, I'm just reading the book and reading and starting at the beginning and reading over and over again. Anyhow, because my job is to get food for my sheep. And, um, and then, so like I said, about, a, oh, you know, about two months ago, I started listening to Robert Morris again. Some of my friends, a lot of, well, several of my friends go to Robert's Church, Gateway Church in Dallas. It's about, I said to Abby this morning, I thought it was about 28,000, 20 but I forgot. It's actually 37,000 people in this church. You know, they've got three other campuses. But um, he's one of the foremost leaders in the body of Christ now, and just an incredible guy, very humble, but I mean incredibly sharp. But I started, you know, the Lord prompted me, and I started watching his stuff again, our good 
Paul Cole's my good friend that you know, Paul Cole, Dr. Cole's son. He's my best friend in the world. Um, Paul's son-in-law, Niles Holsinger, who married Lindsay, his daughter. Anyhow, he's one of the pastors at Gateway. And I know, you know, at least five or six other people that go there, John Binkley and a few others. But anyhow, I started watching these, and they so began to impact me. Now, he wrote a book some 25 years ago called The Blessed Life. Anybody read it? The Blessed Life? Uh, okay, well, it's incredible. And God has given him so much understanding of, of finance and money and stuff like that. But like Julie mentioned, he, the whole thing, so many people have him speak because he doesn't teach about giving to get. He talks about getting so that you can give. In other words, again, having the right heart about this stuff. Because, see, God's a God of, of uh, synchronization, alignment. When you get things aligned right, stuff starts to work. It's just the way it is. It's like electrical circuits. They have to be connected correctly for the energy to actually to flow. But anyhow, I started watching these, and I said, my God, I kept on doing I wish, I, I wish everybody in the church would watch these. And this, anyhow, and this is what I'm going to try to beat you over the head with right now a little bit is this series called The Blessed Life. On YouTube, you can just go up there, Google Robert Morris, The Blessed Life, and there's about five or six. And his messages, you know, it makes me sick. Every single one of them are 34 to 35 minutes. Bam! And just full of all this great stuff, you know, because their church is so big, they have to march things out. But anyhow, as I watched this, I thought, man, I want everybody to see these things. I want them to see this truth. I want... I. I want, don't you want your kids to learn? You want them to have truth. And to a degree, you know, as a pastor, we're kind of called, we're called or we're likened unto spiritual fathers. We desperately want you to be blessed. We really, really do. And we desperately want you to have the truth that will keep you blessed and cause the blessing to actually be there with consistency. I'm tired of people going from a little bit of miracle to a little bit of a miracle, always having the problems. There's got to be a reason, you see, and this is when, when I began to listen to this one particular message over the last two months, I went, God, and I, and I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to come in, and I'm just going to ask everybody to please go watch this one message a few times. But I know that if I ask you to watch it, quite frankly, most, a lot of you wouldn't, <laughs> that's all. So for the first time in my life, I, God said, I want you to watch, take this, watch this video, and I literally have taken notes of almost every single word he said in this one particular message. I've never done this ever. But I mean, so what I'm going to teach you this morning is going to be 85% Robert Morris. So I just want to say that right up front. I'm giving credit to him, okay? I'm not a plagiarist. Did you hear me? This is Robert Morris's message, and about 15% of it's me, okay? But he calls it the principle of first. Now, this has done something to me. That has just, well, it's just blown my ever-living mind, so I'm just going to start. God is first. Really, just stick with me now for about the next 45 minutes. If God actually is first in your life, if God actually is first in your life, then everything else will come into order. Did you hear that? Doesn't mean you won't have troubles. As Jesus said, also remember, in this life, we still will have tribulations. But the fact is, if God really, really isn't first, say first. If, if God really isn't first, then you, will, you just simply can't expect many things 
to get into order in your life. God doesn't play around when he says he wants to be first. This principle literally runs from Genesis to Revelation, okay? Now, the first verse I want to look at, again, I've got a lot of verses that I'm just going to read real quickly, and all of these are going to be King James, or most, a lot of them are new King James. I don't even know if we have that. But the first verse we're going to read is Exodus 13, 1 and 2. Actually, I have this on the Amplify, but that's okay. Any version. The Lord said to Moses, Thank you, Father. Sanctify, consecrate, set apart to me all the firstborn, firstborn males. Whatever is first, first. That's what I want you to hear all this morning. Whatever is first to open the womb among the Israelites, both of man and beast, it is mine. Morris says that he's an incredible Hebrew and Greek scholar, and he said there's no way to put, it's very difficult to put how much emphasis and how profound this statement is when God says it is mine. I mean, he means this. It's not anybody else's. It's mine, okay? Very emphatic. Now, we're going to go through about seven verses quite quickly. Exodus 19.5, and all of these are going to say similar, similarly to the same thing. Exodus 19.5, he said, Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice in truth and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure from among and above all peoples, for all the earth is mine. This is, what we're, this is all we're going to do in these next seven verses. Like I said, I'm just trying to tell you everything is God's. I said everything is God's. You don't own anything. I said you don't own anything. I do not own anything. It's all his. Exodus 34, 19, he said, All the males that first... Open the womb among your livestock. They're mine. Or they're ox or sheep. They're mine. I mean, the, everything. Whatever it is that's born first, it's mine. It's not an option. It's not yours. It's mine. It's mine. Leviticus 25, 23. The land shall not be sold into perpetual ownership, for the land is mine. You're only strangers and temporary residents with me, but the land is mine. Number 313, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for myself all the firstborn in Israel. I consecrated for myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine they shall be. I am the Lord. They're mine. Okay. Job 4111. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole universe is mine. You getting what I'm trying to communicate? <laughs> Psalm 50, verses 10 and 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills are upon the mountains where thousands are. I know and am acquainted with all the birds of the mountains. And all the wild animals of the field are mine and are with me in my mind, but they're mine. 
Isaiah 43.1 But now in, past, in spite of past judgments for Israel's sins, thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. I've called you by name. You are mine. I'm God's. You are God's possession. God owns you. You're not yours. And the final little verse on this is Haggai, that we all know, two, chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord. Amen? Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Now, now we're going to go to Exodus chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. This is a, where there's some real revelation that really hit me. Exodus 13, verses 12, 13. Uh, this is from the New King James, King James, the other one. You can go to King James if you have it, hon. God is speaking. He said, you shall set apart to the Lord all that opened the womb. That is every firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Because I, I want you to see, like I said, you can't go through any book of the Bible. It's like I said, when you start studying this and really honestly going through Scripture, God, <laughs> the first means a whole lot to him. The first. And there's some incredible stuff coming. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. Verse 13. But every first, this is a trip. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. And if you will not, and this is really powerful and when it comes to the tithe. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And what's that got to do with tithing? <laughs> you know, you look at that and you think, what? That's crazy. The donkey and the sheep. It's very important to see, though, like he said, if you don't redeem the donkey, he said, you're going to lose it anyhow. If you don't redeem that, you're going to lose it anyhow. He said, you have to break its neck. And let me communicate about this. You have to see what this says as regards God's attitude towards our tithing. If you don't bring at least your 10%, you're going to lose it regardless. I want to just say that as strong as I can. If you don't bring your 10%, the Bible guarantees you're going to lose it regardless of what you think you're gaining. Okay? The point number one that he made is this, that the firstborn, no matter what it is, this is something, a principle that God has put in position, the firstborn must not, it's not a suggestion. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And these are two words that you have to catch. You either sacrifice something or you redeem something. But what that speaks to in this, it says, but how do you know which to do? How do you know which to do? Am I to sacrifice this or am I to redeem this? God gives us two categories of animals, the donkey and the lamb. And this is where the revelation begins to come. The donkey is a type of unclean animals because of the cloven hoof thing. It's an unclean animal. Okay? The lamb simply represents a clean animal. 
if a clean animal, the firstborn, if a clean animal, just stay with me, if a clean animal, the firstborn, if it is a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed, the firstborn, the first. He says, it's mine. The first is mine. The first is mine. If it's of a clean animal, it must be sacrificed. You bring it to him. If it's an unclean animal, it needs to be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean animal. Something that's unclean can only be redeemed. It can't be sacrificed. And it's redeemed by something clean. So you have to bring a a clean sacrifice to redeem an unclean thing. If it's a clean animal, like I said, it has to be sacrificed. So two questions. When we were ourselves born, what was our spiritual state? Were we clean or unclean? What? Unclean. Unclean. Why? Because Romans says, you know, we were all born into sin, right? And and I love it. His little simple uh, statement was this. He said, let me ask all the experts in the church. He said, how many of you parents that have children know that you didn't have to teach your children how to be bad? Children just because they have that nature of sin in them. You were born with the fallen nature. He said, no, we have to teach them to be good. So we don't, shouldn't get surprised as parents. You know, I'm laughing at DeAndre back here. That Hannah's all innocent and young now. But there'll come a day when you'll realize, What's, hey, wait a second. There's something in this little girl I need to fix. Anyhow. So here's the second question. When Jesus Christ was born into earth, was he unclean or was he clean? He was clean. So you got to catch this. Jesus Christ, we were unclean. We were the donkey. I hope you get ahead of me here. Jesus was clean. The clean came to be sacrificed so that all of us could be redeemed right? But you've got to catch this principle. The clean for the redemption of something unclean, something clean had to be sacrificed. Okay? You got it? Hallelujah. So think on this. A lot of people maybe hadn't thought about this. God, when he gave Jesus, Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. Now, the thing is about this, you pay your tithe first. Jesus didn't wait. You know, he didn't say, well, I'm going to see if these guys get together first, if they get their lives right or whatever. No, he loved us while we we were yet dead in our sin, while we were unclean, right? But in Scripture, why this is so important is, and when it comes to the tithe, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. You pay your tithe first. You don't pay your bills first. And then see if you have enough left over to pay your tithe. Scripture says it's not just the 10%. It's the first 10%. And the reason it's the first 10% because to give the first 10% takes faith. It takes faith to give the first. God said when your sheep have a lamb, I want the first one. It takes faith on the part of the shepherd because he doesn't even know for sure that he'll have any other lambs yet. So you can't wait until you have 10 lambs. See, that's not God's principle. 
you can't wait until you have 10 lambs and then decide to give him one of them. In most cases, what we'll do is we'll take the one that's the ugliest and messed up. But no, he said, I want the first one before you have knowledge of anything else, before you know if any other are going to be born or not. I need to have the first one because the first one takes faith. Now watch this. People don't understand this. It isn't the 10% that empowers the blessing. It's the faith. It's the faith. It's not the number 10%. It's the faith to give the 10% first. Say first again. First. This is why we say God tithed Jesus because he didn't wait for us. He gave first. He didn't wait to see if we would clean up as I said, or get right first before he gave his son. He just gave first. He gave Jesus while we were still mocking him, spitting him, and deriding on him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Scripture also says God gave Jesus in hope. Think about Jericho. Why did God tell the Israelites to bring all when it came to Jericho? Remember, Jericho was the first city that they came to after they crossed the Jordan. It was the first, first, first. Why did God tell the Israelites to bring all the gold and silver and valuables into the house of the Lord? Now, again, he really strikes this, but it's true. The tithe always comes into the house of the Lord. Nowhere else. The tithe always comes into the house of the Lord if you want to follow God's principle. Now, I want to say again, why I so desperately want us to hear this is because I began to see some of the little areas where it began to answer why so many people aren't being as blessed as they should. Even people that I know that give, but they're not giving correctly. They're not bringing to God what he's told them to do in the way that he said to do it. Now, like I said, none of us are after your money. Julie mentioned about it. We are not after anybody's money, but we want you to have money. Is that okay? Is that wrong of us to want you? To be blessed, I mean, for your sakes, but again, so that you can be a blessing. And see, this is why the Lord has been dealing with me real strong about this. He said, you know, you can't be lax in this area. I have to teach you truth, not Rod's opinion. And I have to show you what the scripture actually says. And again, if we follow his instructions, we'll begin to see some of the fruit. But why did he say bring all? Because again, you always bring it into the house of God. But why didn't he just say bring 10%? Well, again, because Jericho was the first city that they were to conquer, the first. The Bible says you bring the first into the house of the Lord and the rest are redeemed. If you bring the first, you need to see this 10%, 90%. If you bring the first, then the rest is redeemed. Okay? Now watch. He said, but why, did, why Jericho is that? He said, please, let me just read it here. Bring the first into the house of the Lord. The rest are redeemed from under the curse. The first portion, listen to this, is the redemptive portion. See, it's the power of redemption is in the first, not the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth. The redemption is in the first. That's what takes care of the rest. This is what you do with the first. The redemption's in the first. The first portion is the redemptive portion. Please hear this. When you give the first to God, the rest of what you have is redeemed. This is why you don't give the first portion to your mortgage company. 
because a mortgage company does not have the power to bless or redeem. So if we're giving the first of our increase to anything other than the, to the house of God, you're, abso- you're actually destroying God's ability and desire to bring redemption to your finances. You don't bring the first to Barclay card like I used to do because of the pressure I felt. But anyway, let me just keep going. You don't give your first portion to the mortgage company or any other part because mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances, but God does. Tithing is a test of your heart. It is a test. When I hear people arguing about whether or not they should tithe, I can't help but think, you know, what spirit is this coming from? But I know uh, years and years ago, I mean, when I first got introduced to this, I'm like anybody else. You know, I'm you know, trying to make it day by day. And all of a sudden I start going to church and they start asking me about, you know, I should, would you give us, you know, give some money in the offering? I'm going, well, okay. So I, you know, I took $5 or whatever I got somebody put in there. But then I see the other people pretty serious. And I, every single week they keep asking for, they keep taking offerings. What is this place? What is this trip? You know what I mean? Because I had no knowledge. Like I said, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I had no understanding. I didn't know what offerings really were. They weren't something for God. They're something for us. They're intended for our blessing. Offerings aren't intended for the blessing of the church, Howbeit, God blesses the church through the offerings. But did you hear me? Offerings are for you. The second point is that the first fruits must be offered. Now, again, all through the Bible, this is strong. It's, it's a must. It's not an option. I said it's not an option. The first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, we know quite well. It says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And the result will be, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, remember, even in that, it's good. Like he points out, he said, guys, this is under Proverbs. This is 200 years after the law. This is not under the law. Now, again, when you watch all these videos, you really see how strong it is because, you know, it's just today there's so many people that look for a reason not to tithe. Well, tithing isn't in the New Testament. Well, tithing is in the New Testament. Jesus Christ himself speaks about that we should, that literally says you ought to tithe. You ought to do these and not forget the other. Okay, now some people don't like this next part, but you always bring your tithe into the house of the Lord. It's not Bible to split your tithe. It's not Bible to designate your tithe to somewhere else. This is simply the truth that will bring the blessing. Don't be found fighting against God's principles. You don't, a lot of people, well, you can split half there and half there. Well, you can if you want to, but you will not have what God says is the prescription for blessing upon your life. Oh, see, things can work for a season, but you will not have consistency until you follow that. Important for us here is also to see, and I made mention of this last week, that the Lord uses the word bring every time. Every time you deal with an offering throughout all Scripture, and like I said, I've read it, I've read the Bible full through five times in this last, you know, 14 months. And I mean, uh, just again, reading all the Old Testament all those times, 
There's not one time that he says to give. He says bring. Important for us to see that the Lord uses the word bring and not the word give. Why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. Everything is God's. It is mine. Silver, gold, cattle, I don't care what it is, dude. It's mine. God's kind of serious about that. He knows what he did. It's mine. So it's almost, see, a statement of pride when somebody says, I give, I'm going to give this to the church. Well, hallelujah. No. You don't own anything. And you can't give what you don't own. God owns everything. So he asks us to bring the tithe, to bring our offerings. Biblically, this is going to be a strong statement. There's only two choices in the Bible when it comes to the tithe. You can either bring it or you can steal it. Two choices. You can bring it or you can steal it. Remember when God said to bring all the gold and silver from Jericho, but then Achan, one of the soldiers, he kept some and hid it in his tent? Of course, the next city, after the first, they lost the battle. Here's the difference. In Joshua 6, when they brought the tithe, God called it consecrated. Consecrated. But in Joshua 7, where Achan had kept some to himself, God said, Israel has stolen from me, and now they are cursed. He said, because they've stolen from me, they're now cursed. Because they have stolen what is mine, they are cursed. Because they have stolen what is mine, they are cursed. I didn't curse them. They cursed themselves because they stole what was mine. Now, remember, like I said, it's the 10%, the first 10% that redeems the 90%. Simple question. Why would you want something cursed in your bank account? It's cursed when you leave it in your bank account. It's consecrated when it's brought to the house of God. I said it's consecrated when it's brought to the house of God. But it's cursed when you leave it in your bank account. Like This is strong stuff, isn't it? A lot of people, I don't want to hear this. It takes faith to give the first. I don't know how many other lambs I'm going to have. I don't know whatever their money is going to come in. That's why the first is so powerful because it's only the first that you can give in faith and it's faith that pleases God. First, first. If you, it takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go further than 100% cursed. I'm going to say that again. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go further than 100% that's cursed. This is why even logic tells us we should see the importance of giving the first. How about Cain and Abel? People often have said, I don't understand why God didn't accept Cain's offering. 
you know, but received it. So let's read Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. Now watch the words here. And I've never really seen them. I've got a lot of teaching on this that I've seen from the aspect of covenant. But, I, you know, you feel so dumb sometimes when you look at something and it's always been there. And you go, duh, how come I didn't see that myself? It says, and in the process of time, talking about Cain now, everybody say the process of time. Think about what that means. In the process of time, not first, but in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. It says nothing about first fruits. That's significant. It says nothing about Cain and first fruits. It says he just brought an offering like I used to do 30 years. I just bring an offering. I didn't have a revelation of first. I just didn't. I'm being honest. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. He was a farmer. And also, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. It specifically does not say that Cain brought first fruits. Hear the language, he brought an offering in the process of time. In other words, it says simply that Cain was a farmer, but he didn't bring the first fruits. Abel was a shepherd and he brought first fruits. God simply said this. He saw what Abel brought and he said, I'll accept that. He saw what Cain brought and he said, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. It wasn't first. Did you hear me? God says, if it's not first, I can't accept it. That means a whole lot of my giving many, many years ago never basically reached anything. And that bothers me. But I'm telling you what, no more. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. Something changes. Something, like I said, when, when your spirit actually says, I'm going to be rigidly upright before my honest, loving Almighty, amazing God that we just sang about. It's amazing the peace that comes when you know that He can be. We just sang about I can trust Him. Can you trust Him? I, I, I trust Him. Remember, He's altogether good. He never. Do you actually. Well, now I know the answer to this question already. A lot of people really really still don't understand or believe that God wants your best. That God's not, that he never does anything to harm. He's given commandment to bless. And he will never reverse it. I said he will never reverse it. He's given commandment to bless. And this is true too. And it's not this, just that God wouldn't accept. This is heavy now to me. It was not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering, but he couldn't. And this is why. There are some things God can't do. Now, we know God can't lie, but God can't. Please really hear this next five minutes. God cannot act outside of himself. Outside of his character, Right? God can't change. In theology, that's called the immutability of God. God cannot change. Did you hear me? God can't change. He can't change. He can't change. 
The reason God can't change, listen, is if he could change, he could possibly get better. But God can't get better because he's already perfect. Now, you've got to think that out. God can't change. If he could change, he could progress. But he can't progress because he's already perfect. It says it throughout the Psalms and Proverbs and other books. God's perfect. He can't change. Now think, and this is like, now this is the one that's the heavy one for me. God can't, now listen, let me follow me through. God can't think like we think. I know the Bible talks about the thoughts of God, but follow this with me. God, God can't think the way we think. The scripture speaks of God having thought, but it's not like ours. Now listen, the reason God can't think is because he's omniscient. Two words, omni means all science, which means knowledge. He's already all knowledge. I said he's already all knowledge. The reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. <laughs> you catch that? God knows all. He is all. God doesn't think to figure something out. And he made me laugh when I saw him. Nothing's ever occurred to God. Did you, did you catch that? Nothing ever like, you know, God didn't one day just go, wow. I, you know, he hears Antonio say something and he goes, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. No, that's, that's not the way it works. You know, and God never heard somebody say, God never saw or heard somebody say something and go, wow, oh, my self. <laughs> and that, that's strictly from Robert Morris. He cracked money. He never, but, the, but see, catch this. God doesn't think to figure things out. You, this is why Isaiah said, you know, he said, God said to the prophet, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So my thoughts are as high above yours as the heavens are above the earth. He is different, but he never changes. He never lies. He's perfect. And he's all-knowing. His thoughts remain eternal. His thoughts toward you. This is why, to me, it's a beautiful thing. Again, when you do read that classic verse in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have for you. See, that never changes. The only thing I ever think about you is I want to how to prosper you, how to bless you. I want you because I want you to have hope in your future. That's the only thing he has. He does not, he's not sitting here looking at that stupid thing you did last night. It's not anywhere near his thoughts about you because thoughts about you are altogether good. And see, that's what's difficult for me to receive over the years, Pat, because I know how dumb I've been in areas. Now, some of you are brilliant, but I've been dumb. But don't lie to me because I know some of you have been dumber. How do you dare to believe that there's this entity, the creator of all things, that only thinks well of you? He only, I mean, it's, listen, it's impossible, therefore, for him to think ill of you. It's not that he won't, he can't. He can't. It's outside of his character. And that makes me want to say, praise God. 
So as to tithing, listen to this. You really got to catch this. God cannot ever be second because he's first. He's always first. I said he's first. God cannot ever be second. That's called the preeminence of God, eminent. But it's preeminent. That means he's not only first of all, he's before all. He's higher than all. He's above all. God is first. Now, we talk about putting God first in our lives. I said we talk about putting God first in our lives, and we should put God first in our lives. But understand this. Even if you don't put God first in your life, he's still first. You didn't rearrange his order in the universe. You didn't rearrange anything just because you didn't think he's first. He's still first. I said he's still first. Hallelujah. He's still preeminent. He can't be second. God can't be second. God can't be second. That's the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering because his offering, as it were, was an afterthought in the process of time. Uh, Oh, yeah, I need to give something to the church. Oh, yeah, I should give an offering. I should give something offering next week. I didn't do it last week, but it's an afterthought. God says, forget it. I can't receive it anyhow. I can't receive that. It's going to do you no good. John does no good. He's trying to do you good in your times. God, I hope you're hearing some of this. I hope you will go watch these videos 13 times for yourself. The reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering because his offering was an afterthought, not a first. God said, basically, I cannot accept a second place offering because I'm simply always in first place. We have to think about this when it comes to the tithe. Consider this. Because if Jesus was God's tithe, then tithing is probably far more personal to the Father than we think. Think about that. If Jesus was God's tithe, another illustration, another one of his messages was this. Let's say um, I'm going to go away for quite a long season. My wife's going to stay here. And let me preface this by saying the Bible says that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. Amen? How many are still awake? Just please. So I have three guys here. I've got Deji, I've got Jeff, I've got Dez. And um, guys, I'm going to give each of you 10,000 pounds. Okay? I'm going to give each of you 10,000 pounds. But on one condition... Out of every 10,000 pounds, when I give that to you once a year, I want you to take 1,000 pounds of that, a tenth of it, and I want you to give it to my wife. Give it to Julie, because I want Julie to be taken care of while I'm away. Okay? That's all I ask. That's all I'm saying. 90% sure, but I want you to take 10% of that. I want you to take 1,000 and give it to Julie, because I want Julie taken care of. Okay? I'm, I'm mostly, you know, I, I trust them. They're good men. They're good men. Strange, but good men. So I come back after a long, long time. And I look and I check and I said, can I, and I talked to Julie and I said, Julie, so did the guys come through? And she said, well, yeah. She said, I said, how about Deji? And she said, yeah, Deji. And he was, 
cool. He sent a thousand every time. I said, wow, that's cool. That's wonderful. I said, how about Jeff? He said, no, Jeff. He said, Jeff is amazing. He didn't have to, but Jeff sent 2,000 every single time, every single year. Wow. I said, how about Des? She said, well. <laughs> he said, you know, first year, Dev, Dev gave 700 pounds, and then, you know, and I think the next time he gave 400, another time he gave five, but then sometimes he didn't give anything at all. Now, since all of it's mine anyhow that I gave, I gave them 10,000 each, right? Right? This is about my wife. It's personal to me. How do you think I'll feel? How do you think I feel if I know that, you know, some of, them, some of the people I gave it to ne- never took care of my wife? Do you hear what this is saying? We're the bride of Christ? The church is the bride of Christ. Everything is his anyhow. Anything we have came from God. I think he probably does take it more personally than we realize. I say again, it's not about getting money from you. Quite honestly, it's about getting resources to you. First, though. First, to the church, to the house of the Lord. People can say all the time that God's first in their life, but like they always say, but how about we look at their checkbook? Some people, we know who's first in their life. Some people, it's, it's uh, Selfridges, Zara. Or for the guys, I don't know what, some sports shop, football. And I don't like hearing that, do you? I mean, none of us do, but that's the fact. See, like I said, for me, because of being in debt, I, you know, the, you know, they're tricky. The money comes a certain type, type of, you know, the bills come at a certain time of the month or whatever. You know, and that Barclay card showed up faithfully. You know what I mean? It did. And I, I, I just, well, I need to make, I need to make a payment on this quick as possible. And see, I'm trying to tell you that what I've seen is I missed it for a long time and that I delayed giving even my tithe to God. And way back in the early days, like I said, sometimes I didn't give even a tithe. I gave an offering in the process of time, thinking, quote, unquote, that I was at least doing something. And I didn't see how God saw that even though he loved me so much, He said, I'm sorry, but I can't receive that. I can't because I'll never be second or third or fourth. I can't be. I'm first. I'm first. Final point was the tithe tithe must be first. Leviticus 27, verse 30 through 31. Leviticus 27, 30 and 31. And all, all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. 
See, it's different, unique. The tithe of the Lord is, I mean, all, the, all the tithe of the land is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart. That's why it's stealing. Because he set it apart to himself. That's why it has to be first because God's first and he owns it. It can't be second. Illustration he gave is this. Let's say I call in a gardener and Julie wants to plant some more trees in our back garden, some plants or what have you. So we call in a gardener and the gardener says, okay, this is how much it's going to cost for the plants. This is how much it's going to cost for my work, my labor. And he said, this is going to be my profit. I'm in charge of 500 pounds profit. I need 500 pounds profit. Okay. So now when he gets that 500 pounds, he's got 10 50-pound notes. Okay. I give him 10 50-pound notes. And now how much is the tithe off of that 500 pounds? What is the tithe off 500 pounds? Mathematics. Ten, what's 10% of 500? 50. But is it just any 50 pounds? No. The tithe is the first 50 pounds that leaves your hand. I said it's the first one. It's the first one that leaves your hand. It's not the second. It's not the third. It's not the fourth. But see, this is a, often what happens. In other words, people, what has happened is we'll go home and we've got this 500 pounds and we go like this. He said we do this. We take our money and go, okay, here's some for the mortgage company. Here's some for groceries. Here's some for utilities and here's some for God. God won't be second. He can't be because he's first. See, therefore, you've never tithed to God. Even if you gave to God, you didn't tithe to God because he wasn't first. What too many people do is they pay their bills first. Now, listen, we've all been here. This is not to condemn anybody. Do you hear me? This is not to condemn anybody because we've all been here. But I'm telling you, something radical has happened in my life in the last 9, 10, 12 months, whatever it's been, ever since that July 7, January 17, 2018. Something has just changed in me. I've always been, quote, unquote, serious about him, but never what I'm experiencing now. But as a, quote, unquote, pastor, it's just being multiplied. My understanding is my responsibility is just expanding and expanding and expanding because of what I want for my sheep. I don't want you to hear clever teachings from Rod. I, I'm, I, I'm trying to be faithful to bring you thus saith the Lord. Because again, I can't redeem you. But he can in any area. Money is no big deal for him to redeem. But I can't expect him to bless my 90% if that which belongs to him doesn't go to him first. I can't. 
He can't. He's first. He can't be second. God isn't a God to take our leftovers. And that's, and again, the other thing people do. Well, okay, I'm going to give some to the mortgage company. I'm going to pay some of my bills. I'll pay the utilities. I'll buy some groceries. And, well, this is all I got left over, so I'll give that to God. Well, you may as well forget it because God won't receive no leftovers. I said he won't receive no leftovers. That's why, like in Malachi, the classic place, he says, don't bring me a crippled, a lame, a blind lamb. I won't receive it. I can't receive it. And so that's what a leftover is. You pay everything first, and you say, well, I'll at least give this to God. It's a leftover. He can't receive it. It can't be a blessing to him or to you because you've stolen. I didn't write this. I didn't say this. God said this. He said it's stolen. If you leave your tithe in the bank account, it's cursed. I know you don't like hearing that. I don't, I'm not going back to that church again. These first comers, I bless God. I, ain't, <laughs> I, I guarantee I ain't coming back to that place. Then, you know. <laughs> You know, I think of it this way, something else in a different message, some other message. Listen to this. How many, do you think, you know, when we pass, if we were to pass the offering basket here instead of put it up front, how many of you think, can you think of anybody in this church that might reach into that offering basket and take some for themselves? Can you think of anybody to do that? <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, you'd th- that's uh, unthinkable. It would be unthinkable for us to think that somebody would reach into the offering basket and take it. But when your offering's left in your bank account, that's exactly what you did. You stole it. Wasn't yours. Then you're asking God to bless you. He can't do it. I can see you're loving this. But you need to love this. I'm loving it because it's already changed something on the inside of me. I mean, it just has. There's something, it's amazing. It's like uh, talking to Bobby once a long time. Bobby, you were sharing one of her testimonies about, uh, I think it was on a tube or something where she had the opportunity. She saw some young woman that was in pain or something. I don't remember what it was. But basically, she got the leader to the Lord. And uh, it was always funny to me because I always remember any time I led somebody to the Lord, though they may have got excited, I was the one that went away feeling jacked up, man. I, you know, I was the one that went away going, this rocks. And, you know, it was so corny, but God ministered to them all those years ago. It kind of feels good to do my will, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It's just so simple. When you do what's right, it changes how you feel. I don't know what I, it's as simple as that. And man, as I began to see this and this began to transfer, just like I said, even in the morning, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I, you know, years ago, I'd wake up. First thing I do is check my email. I haven't done that. And maybe, I don't know. Now, let me, maybe once in a hundred, honest to God, I believe I can say this without exaggeration. Maybe once out of 99, once out of a hundred, maybe twice out of a hundred mornings, for some reason, I'll look at my email or I'll turn my phone on. But honestly, like I said, it's just something in me. I refuse to look at anything first other than God. 
I've made, something's happening. I've just made that choice. I refuse. I just don't. It's not in my thinking. He's first in that area. I open that book. I put my chair back. I open that book. I put the little blanket over my legs because it's chilly in the morning where I sit. I get my yellow highlighter out, and I'm gone, you know, from like 7.30 to 12.30 or 1 or whatever, 8.30, whatever time I get up, but at least four hours anyhow. And uh, it feels good. I'm not trying to appear, like I said, super spiritual because I sure ain't. Ask my wife. My baby knows I'm far from super spirit man. But this thing about this, when this began to crack, like I said, I began to see why, why was God speaking so loud to me back in September last year about this abundance thing, abundance, abundance, abundance. And God telling me, of course there's going to be a couple of millionaires. There's at least two, if not three, of your people that are currently members will be millionaires. They will be millionaires. And I'm thinking that, you know, I don't say that. That just sounds like something squirrely to say as a pastor to try to get people jacked up and excited. But he said, no, 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 no. He said, I don't jack people up. I tell them the truth. And, and see, all of that, and God's leading me. See, I'm trying to let you see that he's been leading me to, to scout out teachings more and feeding myself and I mean, it's not just coincidence that he led me back to some of Morris's stuff. It's not just coincidence that he's led me back to some of these other ministers that I knew over the years. He's always leading us if we will listen. He's always speaking if we will listen. But I'm telling you, I know because of what he's done, what I'm sharing right now. We, God, we are destined to come into much abundance. I'm telling you, those of you who really will stay with this little roller coaster ride, there's a reason. I don't know all the answers, but he does. But I'm seeing some of the instructions, and I'm going to obey. As for me, I'm going to, I'm going to obey them. I just simply made my choice. I am not trying to sound super spiritual. I just said it's been graphically displayed in front of me. He's first. And I, you know, and I've already asked my forgiveness months and months, but I will never allow him to be second in my life anymore. He's first. He's got to be first in everything. He, because it's impossible for him to be second. I want to keep saying that. It's impossible. And I'm telling you, this will bring correction to your walk. But it, again, hear this. It's for your good. He's not trying to take away. He's trying to multiply to us. And again, remember, it takes faith to give the first because your brain instantly starts thinking about the bills. Mine does. I don't know if you know this, but I have bills. Sadly, more than I need to have. And I have credit card bills, embarrassingly, because of a stupid decision made long ago. Long ago. So dumb, just dumb there's dumb, then there's double dumb. A couple of times I was double, double, double. You know, I'm just being honest. But the thing is, I'm not going to, to camp in yesterday because I have seen how faithful he is. Like I said, reading all the Old Testament over and over again, just like the last two days I read all of, you know, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Sam, 2 Sam, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. It's so mind-blowing, you know, so-and-so died and his son reigned in and said, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And so everything got and so all the my, all your enemies came and so I give you over to your enemies. And then, then, then he dies. His next son is born and he walked in the ways of the Lord. He did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And God delivered them from their enemies and God prospered all they put their hand to and God was with them whithersoever they went. Now he died and he had a son. His son did evil in the Lord. And God delivered them over into the hands of their enemies and their crops failed and they got into bondage to this. And money. He dies, his son reigns and he did right in the sight of the Lord. And therefore God delivered him from his enemies. God saw that he humbled himself. It says so many, God saw that he humbled himself in the midst of his mistakes. And God said, look at that. He's humbled himself. Therefore will I deliver him. Therefore will I restore to him all that was stolen because of his past disobedience. I mean, you just read this over and over again, and every single time God's people turned back to him, he was quick to deliver. And that's what I need you to expect. But you need to turn back to the Lord. And he is, you have to let him be first. You have to make the choice. I can't for you. It takes faith to do it. I understand. Please hear me. I do understand when you got a bunch of bills. Man, I understand. But see, if you don't start, you say, I don't have enough to tithe. Listen, if you don't tithe, you're never going to have enough to tithe. And remember the donkey? You have to break its neck. You're going to lose it anyway because it's not yours. You're going to lose it anyway. So my suggestion to you is that you have enough grit and moral courage to say, this God's first. Uh, I'm not going to wait to see what the month brings before I write my check, before I offer my time, before I bring what's already his anyhow to him. Don't steal it's a dumb thing to steal from God and think you're going to be blessed. And like I said, I didn't say well, this is the way his guy. Please go listen to these things. If it's still in your bank account, you've stolen. And there's a curse. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks, Rob. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. Final little page, hallelujah. We'll be done in five minutes. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And we still, whoops, I didn't, I'd gone longer, but it's all the worship team's fault. But now listen, as he said, it's very important that you hear this part. We're not to be legalistic because God isn't legalistic. Let's say again, like I get paid tomorrow, I get paid on the 25th of each month. But like I said, I put in my first today. I put it in first right now. I wasn't going to wait till tomorrow. Like I said, this thing's really... But the point is, let's say, though, I, well, I was going to wait till next Sunday to bring it because I don't get paid till tomorrow. But during the week, I see that Judy's made a trip. She stopped at Waitrose, and she's, you know, bought a bunch of groceries. Well, so is this what I do? Oh, thanks, Julie. You went and bought groceries instead of us doing the tithe first, so now we're cursed, honey. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, that's just it. But no, see, that's not the way God thinks at all. So don't get under a legalistic thing because the issue is all of tithing really speaks about God knowing your heart. He knows your heart. 
So it's not about on this date at 12.01 p.m. or a.m. in the morning when the check comes in or when your money comes in your bank account. Do that first. Get up. No, that's law. That's not what he's after. He's after your heart. But he's after you, and he wants you blessed. But we, I said in the beginning, we've got to follow his instructions. Finally, it says in Exodus 13, verses 14 through 16, it says, so shall it be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, when you bring your tithe and you bring the firstborn, when they watch you bring the sheep, your sons, your little kids, what is this that you shall say to him? And you should say this to him when he asks, what are you tithing? What is this tithe? What's this thing? And the testimony that when you've heard me share this from like Deuteronomy 26 and something about the tithe, that tithing is actually something you say over the tithe. And this is what tithing is. Tithing is this, speaking this, the spirit of this. He said, by strength in this, he turns to his son and he says, by strength of hand. He said, you didn't know this, but he said, at one time, we didn't have this land. At one time, we didn't have these cattle. We were slaves. We were in bondage to Egypt. But by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. He brought us out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, that's why I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And at some point, if you're faithful in your giving and your tithing, see, I've got to even correct that, faithful in your bringing. <laughs> Little ones that you have or somebody, some youngster that's under your care, if they actually are, if they're somehow they're able to witness the fact that, you know, why do you give money to the church? How come you give so much to the church every month that you'll, you need to be able to tell them that? Well, you may not know this about daddy, like in my case, you know, like with Anna or something, Jamie, all just go. I said, well, you know, you don't know everything about your daddy. Um, you only know your daddy as a minister. But there was a time when your daddy wasn't a minister. There was a time when we didn't have any flat. We didn't have any car. We didn't have anything. Daddy was a bad boy. Daddy was a very bad boy. Daddy was in a lot of trouble. Daddy was in bondage. But God saved me. He redeemed me out of the very hand of the devil. That's why today I gladly, I gladly bring my offerings to him because it's my testimony of his testimony and his deliverance of me. Hallelujah. And that's what this is all about. So finally, we really must understand God gives us these instructions for good, never for evil. He's altogether good and he lives to be good to us as his children. Please believe that. That's why he put these principles in motion. Do we really think he wants to hurt us by asking us to put him really first? Can we not acknowledge that he has a better way? Can we not acknowledge that his thoughts really are higher than our thoughts? It's a choice that each one of us get to make, to trust him 
or not to trust him. Amen? Amen. That's it. I'm done. Now, as I said, I want you, I, like I said, I could have just asked you to go watch this, but I knew in my heart, God told me, you know, not everybody would watch it, just to forget or whatever. But because I do love you, I implore you to get on YouTube to just type in Robert Morris, The Blessed Life, and some of them will show like five, five uh, services, some will show seven, I don't know, I mean, he's done it a few, several times, I guess. But whatever, the one we looked at just had five services. But each one of them are only like 35 minutes long. And I mean, he says a whole lot of heavy stuff. I don't know that I'll ever do this again. What I mean, like I did right, totally take somebody else. Like next week, well, next week, Julie speaks. But I mean, thereafter, I'm still going to stay with the subject of faith, but no longer in these areas. I'm just going to move into what the Bible says about faith in some other areas beyond these. But like I said, this stuff so impacted me, I just felt like I had last week and this week to take a lot of what I learned from him and give to you. But please go watch these yourself. I don't mind you listening to other ministers. My God, you know, I remember some churches, the pastors, I know one pastor used to freak out if he heard that anybody was listening to anybody other than him. Can you imagine that level of pride? That's ignorance gone to seed, like Brother Hagin used to say. Now, I want you to learn. I want you to listen to other quality speakers and ministers. Of course I do. I want because, you, you know, everybody hears differently, differently. You hear, you'll catch something from another voice, the very same message, but from another voice, for some reason, you'll catch something from that voice that you didn't catch from that voice. But I'm asking you, as your pastor, if you consider yourself a member of this incredible, beautiful fellowship that God loves so much, please go listen to these, Okay because they will bless you. But don't just listen, be a doer. And let's see what happens. Let's see what happens when you, if you dare to put him first, I, I, I wonder if God will be faithful. I, I mean, really, I just wonder if God will be faithful. Now, I, I actually, I don't wonder, because I know. Stand up with me. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. I hope you did receive something from this, seriously. Oh, God Almighty. Father, it ministers so strongly to me <clears throat> that you cannot be second. I mean, you cannot be second because you're first. You're first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And like that song said, Father, I ask that you give us the grace to trust you more in this. Grant us the grace to be 100% unafraid. We will not hearken to the voice of a devil telling us we can't trust you. You are forever faithful. And you are forever true. And bless God, I believe with everything in me that you can be depended upon. And I thank you, therefore, Father. I know that I know that I know in my heart of hearts you're going to take people in this church so mightily from strength to strength. From levels, two levels of abundance they never thought possible. They couldn't have conceived it with uh, any part of their thinking whatsoever. But you're hungry. I love that verse. You're searching for people to show yourself strong to. Well, some of us here, Father, 
are truly going to make a covenant with you once and for all that you are going to be first. Hallelujah. And bless God, then I thank you for the supernatural faith that will arise in our spirit that will bring us the peace that so many of us have longed for but never felt. So I give you praise for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, as always, we're going to let the church, uh, let the worship team uh, bring us a song uh, to worship here. And Julie and I are going to go back in another room for a little bit because we've got a meeting with Yudoka and ourselves in a second. But um, as they play, but I see, I, 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 again, I'm always wanting to give you the opportunity to respond. If you feel, but see, I, I don't want you to do it under impulse of the moment because this is actually a decision from the heart. But nevertheless, you know, I don't, you know, you're all at different levels of spiritual maturity. But if you want to just bow your knee before him and say, that's it. I heard the word of the Lord. I mean, that's it. It resonated in my spirit. It's penetrated my heart. It's gone past my flesh. I hear it. I see it. I, and bless God, I'm going to make you first. If you feel able to do that, then please have the freedom to come up here as a holy place in an altar before the Lord and just bring that to him. Bring that desire, bring that decision to him. But if not, truly go look at this, watch these services that I talked about. Listen to this podcast again, whatever. But I'm pleading with you as, as a father in the, in the Lord. Um, Please search the scriptures. I always said this when I was principal in the Bible school. I've quoted it all the time, Acts 17, 11, that those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Listen, in that they received the word with readiness of mind, but they searched the scriptures daily whether or not those things were so. So again, what I'm saying is I don't expect you to believe something that I just said. I'm asking you to have enough maturity Go to the book for yourself and see if it's in there. And if it's in there, it would do yourself good to obey it. Because he wants, he's looking, he's looking. Who can I show myself strong to? Will somebody here actually make me first? I can't wait to, to blow their minds with my greatness in my life. God bless you guys so very, very much. Let's worship. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 